When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pod Save the Queen! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen. I am your host, Anne Gripper, and I am here, but I am also not here because I am recording this on Thursday the 27th of February because I am going to have a week off. And so Russell uh, Myers, my regular royal editor friend who joins me most weeks, uh, he gets to have a little week off as well. But fear not, there is an interesting show to tickle your royal interests this week. I hope you will agree. Um, So we will be talking about Prince Harry's return to the UK, which I'm sure you're enjoying at the moment with Meghan as well. Uh, And the very busy schedule of other royals, William and Kate. I mean, Kate was uh, running out of the starting blocks in the Olympic Stadium yesterday, which was uh, was tremendous. Liked that outfit significantly more than the dress with the weird buttons that she had for the uh, the theatre outing on Tuesday night. But anyway, that is for another show. I don't know whether you know, but the Mirror is part of a big newspaper group we're part of reach plc um what that means practically is we have lots of sister regional titles all around the country which is great because they do brilliant journalism as well and every now and then the royals come to town and when they do it is fair to say that our newsrooms do go to town on the coverage very often um and because the uh, the royal family have been having a busy start to the year well William and Kate and Charles and Camilla have at any rate certainly and the Queen's been doing her bit as well but I thought it would be interesting to hear what it is like to report on a royal visit when you're someone who reports in that place all of the time rather than with the royals all of the time as Russell travels about doing so I spoke to three colleagues two of whom were first timers uh, reporting on royal visits so Max Clements he is a reporter at the Liverpool Echo he was at Prince William's visit to Everton Football Club recently uh, spoke to Christy Bannon who is in Wales works for Wales Online and she got to hang out at the ice cream parlour in Swansea and also spoke to Dan Martin of the Leicester Mercury and Leicestershire Live website. He uh, He's a longer time um, coverer of royal visits. I mean, he's, he's done a Prince Andrew visit, so has been going on for a little while. Uh, and he had some interesting stories to tell, both about the recent visit of Charles and Camilla to Leicester and some ones from further back in his in his timeline. But first of all, uh, let's speak with Max in Liverpool. So, welcome to Pod Save the Queen, Max Clements of the Liverpool Echo. Thank you very much for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me, Anne. It's a little while ago now, but you did go spend spend some time hanging out with Prince William when he was visiting Everton, um, a football club in in Liverpool. Um, what do, what do you normally do? Because you're not normally, you know, chasing the royals around like Russell is. No, it was. Um, it's not something that I usually do. So my job title, I'm, I'm a general reporter um, at the Liverpool Echo, um, based based in Liverpool. So my job is to 
you know, cover all kinds of things, uh, you know, from from sort of court reporting, general like human interest stories, a bit of everything really. So uh, this was the first time I'd had the opportunity to cover cover a rural visit, which I found pretty exciting. So yeah, so what what was it like? Um, well, these I, I'd never been to one of these things before, and uh, it, it was to an extent kind of. Uh, like stage stage managed in a way the way they they bring they bring William in and um, so so for instance he was visiting uh, Everton in the community which is sort of the charity wing of, of Everton Football Club and they do some sort of great uh, outreach opportunities helping people in the local community and um, he um, yeah so he he came in and then he was introduced to all these different kind of initiatives that he would uh, that he was part of and and you know it was it was really quite. Uh, striking to see how he's able to sort of build a rapport with with people who he hasn't met in in such a sort of short space of time. So that I say that was the thing that struck struck me the most during the visit. So who, what kind of people was it that he was engaging with on on this visit? So um, the, the visit principally had three different, um, you know, he was he was doing three different activities. So firstly, uh, there was this initiative called Tackling the Blues, and uh, that's Everton in the community's sort of sport sport and education based program which it, it helps young people so he was interacting with um, I think there were the children from a local primary school uh, in, in Bootle and uh, and it was quite funny because they had uh, two Everton uh, footballers I think it was uh, so they had Jordan Pickford and then they had uh, Theo Walcott and, and they were with all these school kids playing this game called Emoji Bingo and I, I don't really know what it is but essentially it was quite you know, a good, a good photo opportunity of him sort of in and amongst the Everton players with all these school kids who were, who were having a great time. And just, he was, he was so natural in sort of that kind of kind of environment. And I'd never seen that close up before and just sort of how, you know, the kids were really in awe of him and the Everton players as well uh, to an extent. So, so it was good to see that close up. And just to follow up on, on another aspect of your question, he also uh, saw some former, former servicemen. Uh, so Everton had this thing called a Veterans Hub uh, that sort of brings together ex-service uh, personnel who might have uh, issues with things like PTSD or might might feel sort of socially isolated after they leave the army, uh, so or, or any other um, part of the armed forces. And uh, there was also he met with um, some some pensioners or seventy-plus um, year olds living on Merseyside because uh, Everton also had this uh, thing called Stand Together, which is where they sort of bring together socially isolated people. So really, he met he met quite a range of people in the local community, and they were. I think all of them were really sort of excited to see him and the, the, there's kind of three different age groups really that he was interacting with there plus then you've got the the famous footballers um did did the people that he was meeting respond to him very differently um i'd say there were there were differences in the kind of nuances of how they responded to him but but i think generally it was all kind of I think generally everyone was very, you know, happy to be there with him and kind of, you know, responded positively to him. But I think the contents of the conversations he was having with each group were, were very different, um, obviously. So, for instance, when he was speaking uh, speaking to veterans, you know, there, there was sort of that uh, camaraderie uh, camaraderie to it, you know, given his uh, William's own, own background and sort of the sort of common experiences that he would be able to share with them about what it's like, you know, uh, being out on deployment and what it's like then then coming back um and, and with with the uh, sort of older um members you know he he was sort of talking about his support uh, for for aston villa because it was all kind of football related uh, graham sharp was was there who's sort of a famous uh, everton footballer uh, who's you know a 
prolific goal scorer in the 80s and and sort of they were having a lot of like football related um, conversation and just I, I think one moment that really st- uh, stuck out uh, st- struck me was was when he was with the uh, sort of old, old age pensioners and when when he, when he walked into the room uh, they every all of them stood up and uh, he he wasn't really very happy well William you know it was like oh you don't need to stand up for me you know that like, he was he was kind of embarrassed and very humbled by it and I thought that was you know that was a moment that really, that really struck with me how how he's you know very very humble uh, in these sort of situations and how you know people wanted to show him the respect respect that his uh, his royal highness probably you know denotes but, but you know he he's much more humble on a human level and how do you feel like the city reacted to that visit sort of afterwards when they heard about it or i guess even in advance when they'd heard he was coming um so it's kind of hard to gauge but i remember one thing uh, kind of uh, stuck with me was when when I was sort of leaving uh, the, the venue because it was all kind of kept under wraps as these kind of rules visits are for, for security reasons and, and uh, when I when I left the venue <laughs> there were just these two um, just two guys standing beside the side of the road uh, and they were just like oh the print for next king of England was was there or you know the, the sort of heir to the throne was there and they were just completely you know starstruck and and, and you know taken aback by it all so, so I think you know there's it's strange because the Royals didn't really visit Liverpool uh, for, for a long time, really, and, and then we had two. We've had two uh, Royals visits quite quite close together. Um, Kate and Kate and William uh, came with the um, oh, it was the the polar polar exploration ship um, that was launched at the Camel uh, Camel Lead Dock. Which is oh, Boating at Boatface. Yeah, but Boating at Boatface as it as it used to be uh, called before before that was changed. But yeah, so that that was back in September, I believe. Um, and Kate and William were there, and then William came again uh, on the 30th of January. This this visit was so, you know, it, it's something that hadn't really happened for a while, and now now it's happened twice. But I mean, everyone I've spoken to has responded really positively to this, and they're, and they're glad that you know he's using his, uh, you know, his role as an ambassador and as president as the of the football association uh, in this capacity to sort of you know reach out to people who wouldn't usually get to get to see him, and I, and I think the impact of that is is broadly positive. I mean, even. You know, Liverpool is, is a city that um, its identity is very complex and very different to other places uh, in England, particularly. I think people in Liverpool, not everyone, but quite a few people don't tend to think of themselves as, as English. Uh, they, you know, the typical tagline is, we're, we're Scouts, uh, not English. And when it comes to the royal family, there is a propensity to think uh, that, you know, they might not be as pro-royal as, as people elsewhere. But I, I found that in my experience, you know, people were, you know just really happy to see him and, and i don't think that played out uh, in reality so you know it was different responses but i think broadly positive and it was a, it was you know great to be there for it and what are the things that your sort of family and friends have been asking you after the visit like are they interested are they more excited about that than hearing about what you've been up to in court or whatever um i think you know i've got, I've got a couple of friends who are um who are everton fans so i mean <laughs> bizarrely they were asking me more about you know speaking to the everton players um than speaking to to prince william but i guess you know the things that people are interested in are kind of like how much exposure you know to to him do you get like do you get to speak to him and with those sort of rule visits it's they don't usually let you kind of speak to him in an official capacity purely because like operationally it it doesn't really make sense to to do it that way and and people you know joking like you know should i ask him you know try and ask him questions about (coughs) about harry and, and and sort of recent situation there but um Aside from that, people just you know want to know what he's like. You know how tall is he? You know is he is he charming? You know what what's he like as a person? And having never met him before, and um, I, I thought you know he came across 
well i guess i was just struck by how um you know how personable he is and how um you know he, he must be used to doing things like this but still it came across in such a genuine way and how um you know he, he seemed to forge real connections with people who he'd only just met um which, which impressed me but in terms of in terms of what else people have asked um yeah i'm, I'm People were just talking about uh, his support for Aston Villa, and you know, was, was there any sort of jokes related there to sort of Everton, Aston Villa, um, which, which, which was good. But um, if in doubt, it always yeah. comes back to football, doesn't it? That's always yeah, it does. I mean, well, that was the nature of the visit, really, because um, it was a, a football-related visit, and and, that, and that's why he was there. But I mean, that that's what people people asked me about. But it, it was just great, great to be there. And do you think it succeeded in raising awareness of um, some of those projects and the kind of the mental health side of things that Everton are working on? Um, I mean, when I was chatting to um, Denise uh, Barrett-Baxendale, who's this, the CEO of Everton, uh, she was kind of very vocal about how, how much it means to have the support of someone like Prince William kind of championing uh, their, their initiatives. I mean, Everton... Everton in the community has kind of an international reputation for for uh, sort of mental health initiatives like this, or, or in terms of football clubs giving back to their communities. Uh, I know for a fact that a lot of other clubs and and a lot of um, other not just football clubs but other sort of organisations have contacted uh, Everton about you know how to how to do outreach work in the most efficient way and, and kind of help communities communities that need it. So. So you know uh, the Everton CEO was saying that the support of William is is you know you know great and and paramount to, to what they're doing and they really are getting results and, and what they're doing there and you know William is president of the Football Association um, that's the reason he he was there and it's all part of this heads up campaign um, and if you were you know watching the fixtures that have taken place over the sort of last couple of days you would have noticed on players' shirts there's a sort of badge that says heads up and it's all part of this mental health um, in football initiative. But he, yeah, he he spoke with everyone. He spent a lot of time, you know, speaking to, you know, ordinary people who were who were taking part in these community projects. You know, real people whose lives have, have benefited from the outreach work of uh, Everton Football Club. And you know, I, I think he was definitely impressed with what he saw, and, he, and he's standing up for that. So, be honest. Um, is it more exciting to you to meet Prince William or the Everton players? Um. Well, the thing is, actually, Anne, I'm even though I'm not from Liverpool, I'm a big Liverpool fan. So you know, I didn't, I didn't find seeing the Everton players that exciting, really. But um, I, I, just seeing Prince William, I think, was was to be honest, more exciting than, than seeing the Everton players because I've, I've seen some of them before. But um, you know, Prince William is someone that uh, you know I've grown up watching on TV all the time. I mean, I was born in 1997. You know, the, the year that. Um, his mother tragically died and you know for, for me and well I think for my mum particularly in my my family like sort of following these these you know boys growing up to be sort of you know royals and, and you know you know young men is, is something that you know means a lot to you know people of my generate well not necessarily my generation but people who lived through that moment so to sort of meet William sort of uh, in in the flesh and kind of put a face to all that was quite it's quite striking and you know, it's something I'll definitely carry with me throughout my throughout my career. And you know, I'm a pretty young journalist, so to get to do that um, at this stage is you know something that I'll always look back on. And if the editor comes around and is like, "Oh, we're getting another royal visit, three in hardly any time at all," would you be putting your hat in the ring to do that one? Oh, definitely. I'm not. It's not every day that a member of the royal family comes to Liverpool, so 
I'd definitely uh, sign up for that. I mean, me and one other reporter have now uh, done a royal, royal visit since I've been here, so there might be a bit of competition among uh, among the other reporters. But I'll definitely, you know, I, I've struck up a good uh, good relationship with the press office. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully they'll send me again. Oh well, well we'll have to look and look and see what else uh, what else the Royals head up to do. Cause, I mean, there's plenty to see in Liverpool. It is a fabulous city with lots and lots going mm-hmm. on. So I'm sure they will be be back very soon. Thank you so much for joining us today, Max. It was great to hear about your your day out with William. No, no problem. Thanks for having me. So hello, Christy Bannon. Welcome to Pod Save the Queen. Thanks for joining us today. No problem. <laughs> so you work at Wales Online and um, you obviously had William and Kate visiting Swansea recently. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so normally I'm just doing day to day news stuff, but um, it's quite exciting uh, to find out that they were coming down to Mumbles and Port Talbot uh, in South Wales. So, um, yeah, I was one of the lucky ones that went to cover it. So we uh, a couple of weeks ago, Russell and I were talking because he'd been he'd done the Port Talbot leg of the of the visit, but you got to you got to see some of the other bits. So tell tell us about your day. Yes, yeah, so um, I headed down to Mumbles um, about two hours before they were due to arrive, um, and obviously the the whole village down there was just full of crowds, all people excited um, to see the couple arrive. Um, and I got to go inside Joe's Ice Cream, uh, which is famous around South Wales for just being very good ice cream. Um, I got to go inside there and, yeah, waited their arrival, basically, and got to see them meet all the members of staff there and some lucky people. And what was, what was the kind of atmosphere like? Are they, are they it, I mean, the pictures that we saw, it all looked quite sort of a really fun part of the day, the, uh, the ice cream visit. Oh. Yeah, it was definitely uh, very light-hearted, um, but I'd say the atmosphere was, everybody was just really excited, to be honest. Um, for about two hours before they arrived, there were like queues of people outside, massive crowds, all with um, with daffodils and j- just waiting for them to get there. And when they did arrive, everybody was cheering, screaming, pushing to try and get close to them. It was just, yeah, everyone was really excited. Most important question, are you chocolate ice cream or vanilla ice cream? Um, I'd probably go vanilla, to be honest. You can't beat the classic. Oh, <laughs> and, team yeah, muscle. The couple, <laughs> yeah. Um, the couple actually tried the ice cream as well. Yeah. Um, and I think they were big fans of it, especially William. He seemed to really like um, our ice cream. <laughs> cool. And in terms of, did you speak to some of the people who had managed to have a bit of a chat with William and Kate? I did, yeah. Um, I spoke to some uh, members of staff at the ice cream shop and they just said, you know, they were really happy to be there. They enjoyed the ice cream. They were just asking a lot of questions about uh, the company and how it's been so successful. And yeah, they just seemed to come across really well, to be honest. I, I only heard positive things from the people that they spoke to. And did you get to go to the boxing club as well or was that a colleague of yours that went there? Yeah, I also went up to the boxing club, which was um, a bit of a different vibe, but still, you know, they, everybody up there, there were crowds of people outside the boxing club, uh, all waiting for them to arrive again. And um, yeah, the people I spoke to in there, they said that um, William and Kate were just really happy to be there because they were just asking loads of questions about how the boxing club came to be and, you know, all of the members. And yeah, once again, they just got stuck in and uh, really enjoyed it, I think. Why do you think people do get so excited when, you know, the royals come to town or, you know, particularly for this visit for William and Kate? 
Um, I think, you know, that there's such it's so well known around the world that I think it's just an exciting thing and it just puts the spotlight on places perhaps that wouldn't uh, get it usually. So like Mumbles and Port Albert, you know, just shines a bit of light there and brings some media attention. So I think people just get excited about all the attention that it gets really. And obviously they've been in the spotlight for so long that it's, it's just a big thing when they do come to little villages and towns really. And in terms of as a as a sort of a news operation for you guys, you know, yeah, Six Nations weekends and rugby matches and whatever, yeah, doing those all the time, and and it's all kind of normal. You got tried and tested plans. Was there kind of was there a big kind of right? What are we going to do for this? Um, oh, for this visit? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, um, we had a meeting beforehand uh, just to kind of go over timings and what sort of content we wanted to get from it and. You know, we, we, we did plan down to the hour, basically, what, you know, who was going to go where, um, what we were going to do, who we were going to speak to. And, yeah, it, it was definitely a big thing. And, you know, it drove a lot of um, readers to our website that day. So there's definitely a lot of interest in, in that visit, really. So how many people do you reckon you had in your in your newsroom working on that story that day? Or, like, what proportion of the team? Um, I'd say I think there was three reporters including myself covering it um and then obviously we had photographers there and then we had people back in the office um kind of you know piecing it all together and getting it ready to go online so I'd say it was definitely the main focus that day it kind of took over you know priority over everything else really and what what feeling did you come away um I mean I I don't know what you what you thought about the royal family before or, or William and Kate specifically and and then what impression you were kind of left with afterwards? Oh, definitely positive. You know, I, I've always liked them anyway, but um, getting to see them and, you know, how they interacted with people, it was just lovely, really. Um, they just seemed really down to earth, really. They were interested in what everybody had to say. It, it was just really nice. I came away feeling as though, you know, they were very genuine and that um, everybody who got to meet them and see them was just, it put a smile on everyone's face, really. And in terms of your kind of friends and family, what kind of things did they want to know about it? What, what questions were they asking? Oh, you know, obviously all the stuff like um, because there was only a handful of us allowed into Joe's, you know, the media. Um, so the members of the public didn't get to actually see the couple inside the ice cream shops. It was just all, you know, oh, what were they saying? What did they say about the ice cream? Um, just all the little things, really, like, oh, um, just little things everybody else didn't get to see about them trying the ice cream and just they were just in shock really how close we were allowed to get to them I think right was there you know how do they how does a a small place like Mumbles deal with that kind of security side of things was it did it did it feel different down there um to be honest no I was quite surprised at how well I wouldn't say laid back but it was just it was just like a normal day, really. But obviously, there were police officers down there, which was the only real difference, you know, um, controlling the crowd. But I wouldn't say it was like a massive um, security operation. It was just very civilised, really, um, crowds lining the pavements. And then when when the uh, the cars made their way through, you know, nobody did anything. Everybody just stood respectfully and just waited for them to get out, really. I wouldn't say it was... Um, it, it wasn't like a massive security uh, operation. It, it was just quite laid back, really. It was, it was a nice atmosphere. 
And it's it's probably a couple of weeks ago now since since they were down there. Is it something that people yeah. continue to talk about, or is it kind of like they they come and visit for a day and it's chatted about a little bit and then it's kind of forgotten again? Yeah, a little bit, I guess. You know, obviously it was a massive excitement at the time, but as with most things, you know, um, after a couple of days, everybody's chatted. You know, oh, did you see them? What was she wearing? What did they say? And all stuff like that. And then just like anything really, it tends to die down a bit. But um, it was definitely a massive thing for the area when, when they did come. Um, but, yeah, I'd say most people enjoyed it, but it's one of those things then when uh, it does die down a little bit after a while. <laughs> uh, William's coming back again to Wales pretty soon, I think, for some rugby. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> another visit soon. Yes, yeah, hopefully it'll probably be another hype around that now as well. <laughs> Cool. All right. Well, thank you very much for for joining us today and telling us a little bit about um, what happened down in Swansea. I'm sure, I mean, being princes of Wales, I'm sure they'll be making plenty plenty of visits uh, back again, um, William in future and and Kate. And they've obviously, I don't know, do do William and Kate feel particularly kind of like yours as such? Because they lived in Anglesey, they are the, they they got um, the Welsh rugby in uh, in the in the division uh, dividing things up with Harry when Harry got England are they yeah. do you kind of claim William and Kate as as your own more even more than Charles um I wouldn't say so I'd say it's the same with Charles really whenever they come there's always um excitement because you know I think they they are um the special ones in people's hearts down here um but yeah, I, I think any any visit like that would be great, no matter who it is, really. But um, obviously, it was nice to have them come the other week. <laughs> well, look forward to more exciting visits in future, and maybe talk to you about them again once they're off yes. doing something exciting. Lots of exciting things to do all over Wales, <laughs> so there's lots of reasons to visit. Oh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> thanks for joining us today, Christy. Catch up again That's soon. A, no worries, thanks. So I've spoken to two colleagues who were doing royal visits for the first time, but now I'm delighted to welcome to Pod Save the Queen, Dan Martin, politics reporter for Leicestershire Live and Leicester Mercury. And it wasn't his first rodeo when the royals came to town recently. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Um, so how, when was your first royal visit? Can you remember what your first one was? Yeah, I can. It was quite some time ago, actually. I think it was probably, probably about 2002 when... Uh, Prince Andrew came to have a little look around some factories in Leicester. So I followed him around for a day. Um, it wasn't the most glamorous of visits. I've done a few more exciting ones since. But uh, but it was a nice, easy start to sort of royal reporting. Oh, yeah. And it's, you're, you're in that gig slightly longer than him. He's been... He's... he's, he's with his feet up behind the scenes now as uh, as we wait to see how everything unfolds yeah, on that side of things inspired, hasn't he? yes mm. so but you had um a very exciting visit uh in leicester recently with a, a very busy program with william and kate starting off the day with um charles and camilla and then the princess of uh, the prince of wales and the duchess of cornwall um carrying on later in the day with a series of engagements all over town of course well they were sort of all over the county i think initially they turned up at a military hospital we have and that was uh, all four of them actually it was kate and william and charles and camilla uh but uh, charles and camilla then after that particular 
section of it. They came on to Leicester to for the main sort of public facing bit of things, and uh, and unfortunately this time round, Kate and William didn't. Um, but we've seen them before in Leicester. They came here last year to to visit the football club um, and do some stuff uh, related to uh, a friend of theirs who. Yeah. Called uh, the owner of Leicester City Football Club, actually a, a chap called Cumby Shy, who um, who died in a, a, a quite a horrible um, helicopter accident not far from there. So that was that was quite a solemn occasion. Whereas this time round, I think things were a little bit more upbeat. Um, uh, so yeah, it was interesting. Got some good crowds out for Charles and Camilla when they actually arrived in, in Leicester City Centre. So normally on the show, we probably we, realistically we talk mainly about the younger royals. Um, what kind of a reception was there for you know Charles, the man who will be our future king, and his wife, second wife, obviously Camilla. You know what is what is the welcome like for them when they come to town? Well, the, the first thing about um, this particular visit is um, we uh, there was a gaggle of reporters waiting. Um, as they always are with these things, and, uh, and lots of members of the public. Uh, and always you have to sort of assemble about an hour or so in advance. So there's a lot of kicking your feet for a while. Uh, and then just as the sort of royal limousines turned up, the, the heavens opened and there was one hell of a, I think, a sort of sleet storm, snow and everything. Uh, so it wasn't, it wasn't the most auspicious start, I don't think, uh, which is a pity. And the first thing Charles did when he got out of the car is he wandered up to civic party and started making his apologies for having everyone standing around in the snow but uh, people were still pretty pretty pleased to see them and eventually they, they got around and started uh, shaking hands and changing a few stories with the members of the public. So they did a, a walkabout? Yeah they did. Um, they When they came to Leicester they were particularly visiting last time around they were particularly visiting Leicester Market I mean the, the main job for them of, uh, of the day was to uh, unveil I call it a new square. It's been there for a while, but um, it was a square which was not very imaginatively named New Market Square because it was the back of the market um, where they demolished an old market hall. Um, so they were renaming it um, Green Dragon Square. There's a bit of history to that, um, which I think was explained to Prince Charles. Um, but it's all to do with a, a sort of medieval inn that used to stand on the site. Uh, and uh, he went up on stage. There were about 100 or so kids from local primary schools playing a bit of music and doing a bit of performance um, which she seemed to like uh, and he uh, whipped a sort of velvet uh, cover off a plaque um, to sort of officially commemorate the renaming of our newish market square. So when Charles and Camilla turn up on, in Leicester on a rainy weekday, um, do many people turn out to wave their flags and say hello? Yeah, it was actually pretty impressive given the given the awful weather that we had. I mean, I'd say at a, a rubbish at estimating crowds, but I'd say we had a good sort of 500 people who were sort of gathered around the, the market square that they came to open up. Um, they were all pretty excited. We had a bit of time to hang around um, waiting for them to, to show up, uh, as you always get with these things. So we were having a chat with some of the people turned up. Because part of the story for us is trying to find out why people come out to a uh, to you know, see the edge of the throne and, and what they hope to get get out of it, and uh, people were on like maximum excitement overload because the only kind of people who do turn out on that kind of day are the super enthusiastic sort of royal fans. So, what per- what were people telling you about why they like to come and see the royals? I, there was, I think, people thought it was a bit of a, a 
sort of feather in the cap for Leicester because we've been pretty lucky with getting uh, royal visits. I mean, we've been noticed uh, like in 2012 for the Diamond Jubilee, the the Queen, um, I think she started her tour of the country in Leicester, picked it because it was quite a diverse city. Um, and people remembered that and they were quite fond of, of that as a gesture. So there's always been a bit of an affection for the royal family uh, for a lot of the uh, all the people who live here. And they sort of want to repay that a little bit. And so they came out and the people I spoke to, some of them were really interested in seeing Camilla, actually. It's, um, because obviously she's, they're all massively high profile figures, but uh, but she's a little bit less well known to everybody than I guess, uh, I guess the heir to the throne is. Well, yeah, I guess she's not um, she's not grown up with people, and no. she, she obviously came into the family in awkward circumstances and has some history. But was that like was there warmth towards her from those people? Do you get that feeling that she has transitioned into being someone who people are actually very comfortable and happy to see alongside Prince Charles? Yeah, I mean, she was very relaxed during the whole thing. It's um, the first thing actually last week when they came uh, was she hopped out of the car and um, she slugged back an espresso. Uh, the pair of them did, which was uh, waiting for them. I think they'd ordered ahead, um, and they were just having a chat with a guy who had been on Leicester Market. Um, Italian uh, guy's grandfather started a store in I think eighteen eighteen something. Well, they'd been there one hundred twenty six years, a very long time, and it was a really sort of uh, chilled out feel to it. And then they, they sort of wove their way through the market stalls, um, which were looking very spick and span. Sometimes Leicester Market can be a little bit uh, um, uh, well, it's covered in banana skins and the you know squashed tomatoes and such like that. But you could could have eating your dick off the floor uh, the way it was um, last time around um, and they, they stopped to speak to uh, a, some volunteers from a charity a local charity called Sharma Centre which does some great work um, in, in sort of the, the Asian community uh, helping women who might have been the victims of domestic violence and Camilla seemed really engaged by that I mean there's always a tight schedule for these things and you see the sort of royal aides looking a bit flustered because they're, they're staring at their their watches and they're thinking well we've got to get them to the next bit because we're on a really tight schedule but she seemed to want to hang around and have a chat with uh with these guys and find out genuinely what they what work they were doing and and she was interested in seeing some of the artwork that they sort of presented for her it was yeah so i think um i think uh, she allowed herself uh, i think gratefully to get a bit distracted by it well it's interesting that you say that because i think it was probably just a few days later actually that there was a kind of a, a bigger interview with her about um domestic abuse and how important an issue it was to her so it's interesting that she kind of mm. popped up popped up there as well and what are they like what's their kind of uh, you know what's their demeanor? i mean charles always comes over as somewhat sort of slightly sort of awkward and gawky somehow um as a person you think, you that, think he's that, a bit that, stiff do you it's yeah like, what, what's he like in what is it like being with him rather than just seeing him on you know camera or film well that's that's the amazing thing because if you get on the royal rotor if you're lucky enough to do it you actually you kind of get um really close access so you're sort of not quite mixing it because you're you're required to uh sort of stay at a respectful distance and not engage in any kind of conversation unless you're spoken to and it's it's fairly strict about that um but equally um suddenly if you look away for a second you can turn back and find that one or the other of them is standing right next to you and so a a sort of royal press person will gently tug you by the sleeve and say get out of the way and you think okay i'm very very sorry so you do you do get up close to them and you can and you can listen to what they're uh, they're saying to people and he he seemed uh, charles seemed pretty uh pretty pretty warm towards people i mean i think as say earlier he was 
probably feeling a little bit guilty that everyone had turned out in numbers um, in, in absolutely awful, horrific sort of sideways sleet. And uh, so it was full of apologies. Um, and it, I think he wanted to make up for that a little bit by giving a little bit more of his time to everybody. I think it's fair to say that Camilla has been a long-standing favourite with various of us on the show as the person that we would most like to go and have a gin and tonic with from within the royal family. Yeah. What's she like in person? Mm. Uh, well, Camilla? Yeah. Yeah, she... Um, well, I say I didn't, we didn't stop for a chat and uh, I certainly would have liked to have taken her for a pint or something like that and maybe got to know her a bit better. But, um, but she, yeah, she was pretty natural. Um, I, I often feel a bit sorry for for the royals in these situations because they are sort of pointed in a direction, and in the short space of I don't know half an hour, they've met a million people. Um, yet they have to uh, kind of engage with everybody, and and I wouldn't say it's feigned interest. It's, of course, it's not, but uh, and try and show a level of uh, sort of communication. Uh, and I'm sure it's a real challenge. But uh, but she 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 was good. Yeah, I mean. She met the civic party. She got a got the you know, the customary bouquet of flowers from from uh, uh, I think a fifteen year old girl who I think was a member of the youth parliament here um, and took a bit of time to to you only get like bite sized chunks um, uh, of of time with every person but uh, she tries to make it count I think. And it is that thing when you're with having to meet all of those people that the person who is 15th or 50th doesn't feel like they are 15th or 50th and they're sort of getting as much no. energy as the first or second person. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there have been people who have been waiting for, for hours and hours and hours and uh, for them it's 30 seconds probably feels like a lifetime uh, because they're going to remember it forever. I mean, there, there was uh, one uh, woman who bought, a, uh, I think she bought a six-month-old baby out um, and it wrapped up incredibly tightly, um, given the conditions. And uh, she was lucky enough because, as just as Prince Charles was about to uh, jump into his his car and disappear to the next part of the, the visit, he stopped and he spotted her and he, he wandered over and said, um, "He said, oh, I do hope you got that little one there nicely wrapped up." Uh, which uh, and it made her day because I spoke to her afterwards. I mean, that's kind of part of the thing. I mean, you're also you're keeping an eye on on what the royals are doing. Uh, and this and by the nature of how we cover it we're sort of feeding stuff back for a, a live news blog as such so we're trying to take pictures and video and sort of what's up that back quickly to to the newsroom so they can get it uh, get it online um but equally you, you've got to try to speak to the people who um who have been engaging with the royals themselves to see if they've got a story like there was a a couple who were at the reception that charles went to for the british asian trust um and it was their 65th wedding anniversary and they were really, really excited. Um, and uh, he stopped to have a, a bit of a chat with them, and I spoke to them afterwards, and, and they were just thrilled by the whole thing. So uh, it, it does, it probably made their month, probably made their year, who knows. And it's a really sort of nice, sweet, sort of fatherly, grandfatherly touch from Prince Charles, just, you know, concerned about the baby. And you know that that child, for, for years and years to come, when Charles has probably become king, will be saying, oh, yes, the day that you met the king, I waited <laughs> in the rain. I had you all tightly bundled up. And he, was, he came over and he was so lovely and he was just concerned that you were warm. And that's the kind of man that is like, you know, that child is going to be, he's going to hear that story. He or she's going to hear that story for years and years. Absolutely. I mean, she she won't remember it, but obviously we've got some nice photos, which hopefully we can uh, we can send across to to mum, so uh, she can uh, you know maybe embarrass her daughter on her 18th birthday and say the time you met the prince, and it uh, it'll, it'll be a great thing for her. 
And in terms of um, the rest of the visits that day, because there was a, there was a lot going on. So I know it was one of your colleagues that covered the event with the um, the wheelchair basketball that William and Kate were at. Yeah. Um, and mm. was that was there anybody else involved in the coverage as well? How many of you were? Did you have yeah. to split it up between? We we did. I mean, they. I think they were obviously the the, the military hospital at Stanford Hall, which is where the basketball thing is, where William had his uh, famous six attempts to to land a hoop. He got there in the end, um, but uh, I think he would have rather done it first time. Uh, so we had a couple of colleagues there. In fact, we basically deployed the entire newsroom. Um, people were, were keen to volunteer because, uh, you know. Uh, Reporters can be a bit cynical sometimes, but um, a bit. Oh, we've seen it all before. But everyone did get a get a little bit excited about the chance to cover it. So we had two reporters there. I, I was in in the centre of Leicester when they arrived for the for the stuff they did at the market, and then they moved on to uh, a couple of factories. Um, and we had our business editors there, a guy called Tom Pegton. He's done a few royal visits as well. Um, and we just basically followed them around. So uh, it was sort of for a period of say two two or three hours it was every coffin spit we were trying to get onto onto the website so uh trying to keep a real close eye on what they were doing and who they were meeting that is a classic piece of journalistic language there as well for our listeners i should british journalistic <laughs> language every coffin spit that's the that's the order every from the news spit. desk every coffin spit you want every last detail yeah. and if you if you yeah, had a chance, nothing is too trivial have you had a chance to compare notes with your colleagues that were at the other events is there anything that they've told you about um how things went down with them that you thought oh that's nice or interesting or funny or that you'd like to share yeah well um they're weirdly i don't know a lot about elaine page except uh, my mum likes her as a singer but she was there at the uh, leicester general hospital um and i think there was a, a trolley dash um where camilla got involved and um was pushing a, a wvs trolley around and i think handing out sandwiches or, or whatever they do there which uh, i think the the idea of that is getting her to do something completely entirely normal that uh that, that these volunteers do every day of the week although uh, doing a trolley funny. Doing a trolley dash with Elaine Page sounds about as far away from yeah, normal as you can yeah. get. I don't, I don't think Camilla sang anything, as far as I'm aware. Although, uh, although, although Elaine Page did. I think she uh, serenaded one of the one of the patients' hospital, which would be a special moment. Oh, lovely! And I know you've done a few other visits in the past. You mentioned Prince Andrew was the first one. Are there any others that um, you can particularly remember? Yeah, I mean, the, the, well, one was fairly recently, uh, and that was. Um, uh, Kate and William visiting the King Power Stadium, and that yeah, it was quite a solemn occasion. Actually, it wasn't uh, wasn't the sort of sort of jubilant thing that we saw um, uh, last week because they were coming uh, because they were friends of uh, the owner of Leicester City Football Club, who was uh, a, a guy called Kumvishai, and he died um, not last year but the year before in a in a really awful helicopter uh, crash outside the stadium. Uh, as I say, they were friends of Prince William was a. a, a a personal friend family and um, also he has a role with the football association um, so he came up to Leicester to open a memorial garden and it was it was a really touching thing he came up with with um, with Kate and uh, again I was lucky enough to be on the Royal Road there and just follow them around and they, they met a load of people and I think that made a made a massive difference to Leicester City football fans and the whole city because uh, we're pretty invested in, in our football club here 
because um, uh, it's done rather well over the past few years. Yeah, to, I mean, to give our listeners some context, I mean, I think I, I think um, we talked about this visit at the time because um, so Leicester, relatively unusually, is a is a one club town. There is there's the rugby and there's the football. But if you are a, a Leicester fan, you are a Leicester fan. It's not Liverpool and Everton. It's not Manchester City and Manchester United. Leicester is Leicester. And after you know. Um, so when I was a, a teenager in the 90s and my grandparents lived not far outside Leicester, it was the, well, uh, it was the first, uh, Filbert Street was the first professional football ground oh, okay. I ever went to, um, when yep. we saw Emil Heskey banging some goals against Chelsea back in the day. <laughs> anyway, so they had a time when they were quite successful and then they got relegated and had some time in sort of the championship, I think possibly even League One at one stage, got back to the Premier yep. League, but still like mm. a relatively small fish, but had... Um, yep. Everything somehow came together with some amazing players, passionate fans, brilliant mm. owner, great manager, and they won the Premier League. It was like it was. Yeah, I, can't, it was I can't even remember what the odds were at the beginning of the season. It was like a remarkable story. Five thousand to one. Five thousand to one. So it was, you know, basically the biggest shock in Premier League history ever. And I think there's been talk about making it into a Hollywood film and all of this kind of thing. So you'd had this huge unity and celebration for the city as after winning the Premier League. And I think it was a season and a half later that there was the helicopter crash. And that moment of, um, I mean, you know, in some ways it it's not dissimilar maybe on a on a tiny scale to the Princess Diana situation in that you had the whole city poured out yep. and the, the flood of flowers around a, around the stadium because um, you know he the owner sadly died and then the, there were other people that were in the helicopter crash as well and you know it was just after a game he got mm. the helicopter in and out for the for the matches so it was it was very you know I mean, it was it was obviously noted sort of nationally and internationally, but for the city, it was a tragedy sort of at the heart of the city and a a, a thing within the uh, related to something that is at the heart of the city as well. Mm. You, you're right, actually. I mean, you you mentioned the the possibility of a Hollywood film being made, and I think that's uh, still in the offing. I'm told Robert Pattinson may or may not be lined up to do it if he hasn't got uh, other commitments. But um, yeah, it, it was it was a strange thing because you've gone from the elation of of something totally amazing and unexpected, you know, winning the winning the Premier League, and then in not too uh, long a time after that, you, you've gone to the opposite end of the spectrum, and you got total tragedy, and no one quite believing it. And it, it did take, and I have to say, a lot of people in the city are still feeling it. It's um, and are still sort of still mourning. Uh, can be shy because he was a fantastic football club owner and but part of the process was you know uh, people like Kate and William coming here and genuinely being moved by what they saw and um, and, and making a point of, um, of of trying to sort of empathise a little bit with the way Leicester City fans have been feeling I mean I, I know you said when we started talking about this you said that you felt it had made a difference and it is I mean it is something we see the Royals do quite a lot at times of of difficulty you know we've seen um, William and Kate have been to the Grenfell um, aftermath which mm. we've talked about on this show in the past before or you know it's sort of sending condolences messages around the Australian bushfires or, or whatever it might be mm. or but trying to make personal visits when they can what what makes a difference or why do you feel it does make a difference I uh, I think largely because uh, the, uh, Leicester's a funny place um, here particularly because 
often it's said by sort of local politicians we've got a, a bit of an inferiority complex um, that we often you know look up the road to to our noisy neighbour in Nottingham who seems to be a little bit cooler a little bit trendier and all of that and we think oh why can't we be a bit more like them and so it's quite nice when when someone of kind of the the fame and the and the prestige of yeah, the the Queen, or for example, or um, or William or Kate, uh, actually come here and want to spend a bit of time with us, because uh, you feel you're almost uh, sticking their flag or our flag in, in in the map and saying, yeah, we we remember this place, and uh, it's, it's quite a nice thing to happen. And um, in terms of the the visit that um, the royals made recently, was it something that you feel? Did, was it successful in highlighting some of the issues that they were trying to spotlight locally? Or, I mean, did people talk about it? Was Did the excitement continue around it? Yeah, it sort of did. I mean, obviously, uh, the, the first engagement they had when they arrived uh, last week was was a pretty serious thing because they were at uh, Stanford Hall, which is the military hospital, and there they were meeting um, service personnel who had been very badly injured in, in conflicts and uh, and also importantly the the people who are treating them and helping rehabilitate them so uh, i think that was a bit of a morale booster um not just the people who work there but particularly to the to the patients um so uh, that would have been i think greatly appreciated as when they then came into the city and uh did a bit of a walkabout, um, you know, press the flesh, uh, not literally kiss the babies, but close enough as we talked about earlier. But, um, you know, it, it, did, it did give people a bit of a lift. Um, not, as we know, not everyone's, um, you know, a fan of the royal family. And uh, uh, some people sort of grumble about the costs associated with one of these kind of visits because there's huge security. I mean, it, it, there were so many police officers around and they were obviously checking all the drains just in case because you don't want anything to go wrong, which is understandable. And people say, well, what's the benefit we get out of it? But uh, if you were to stop as I did and speak to those people who who, who actually did meet them, the, the, the guy who... Uh, uh, from Italy, um, who his grandfather had uh, started the market store. That's such a special moment for him, and um, he was then part of the occasion as well. Afterwards, not only was his meeting the royals, but after that, everyone wants to speak to him um, because I know I interviewed him, and then there was some student media who were also covering it. They wanted a quick chat with him, so it, and he was. I think he was on the telly that night, uh, which was quite exciting for him. He's probably got it recorded on a skybox or something. Um, and he'll never forget it. So, and it's the same for every single person. Even if you just get a fraction of a second um, with with Charles or Camilla, it, I think for those people it will stick with them forever. Have you done a Queen job yet, or is she? I, yeah, I have. I mean, as I say, when, when she came to um, Leicester for the uh, start the Diamond Jubilee tour. Um, I, again, I was on the rotors. I've been quite lucky with the rotors, actually. Yeah. You, me. Do you know um, the lottery numbers by any chance? I, I, I don't know. I could I could hazard a guess. It's uh, I, I probably wouldn't tell you any of the other, other uh, listeners here. I'll probably keep them to myself. Um, yeah, so, oh, yeah, I, I did a, a, on that section of the visit, she came to Leicester Cathedral. Um, and it was quite interesting because, as I mentioned earlier, you're sort of given a, a polite reminder to... Uh, stay a respectful distance and, and not to talk when um not to talk to anybody um so there was a reception and it was in this sort of like a uh, a sort of conference center at uh, Leicester Cathedral and she was busy having a chat with people and at that point I thought I'd just sidle off to the edge of the room because I saw a piece of artwork they got on the wall there it might still be there it might not but it's quite an interesting thing um it is a map of Leicestershire made up 
um, with the place names, um, if, you, if you can imagine what I'm talking about. So in the middle, Leicester written in big letters. And I was just uh, idly staring at that, minding my own business, um, and not really looking at what was going on around me. In fact, my attention had sort of lapsed a little bit, which I probably shouldn't admit to, given, uh, given what was going on. But I, and people don't believe me when I say this, but um, I was suddenly aware of a, a presence, uh, not a million miles away, just to my right. And I looked across, and it was, in fact, probably stood... I would say a couple of yards away, less than that. In fact, it was the Queen, and um, she was looking at the same piece of artwork that I was looking at. And I was like, "Oh, blimey, what do they do here?" And she said, "It's rather good, isn't it?" And I was like, oh, "Am I allowed to talk? Can I say anything?" And I kind of just—I—I uh, I, I don't remember what I said. I think I went, "Yeah, it's all right." Um, <laughs> and then she went, ah, and then she shuffled off. And I thought, I, I, honestly, it was—it was terrifying because I thought someone's going to literally call me and say, "What have you done, Mister Martin?" This is. Uh, but you know, and as I say, I told my mum that she didn't believe me. I tell my colleagues that they don't believe me. But it, it is a genuine, true story. Wow! And it's I, I can I can kind of feel the goosebumps just hearing you talking yeah. about it. Is it <laughs> <laughs> standing? Yeah. Do, do you know what? It's, it, just recalling it's making me feel a little bit clammy. It's um, because it was a genuinely a sort of nervy occasion. Because you are. I mean, I, I, I'm not joking when they tell you very strictly that you're, you're supposed to. Uh, limit your contact i mean you can take all the pictures you want and um and so on and so forth but uh but there was nowhere i could have gone i was cornered almost there was a wall two walls in fact and there was no way out so what could i do um and did did that event when it was the queen did it feel like it was a different magnitude did it have a different feel about it compared to the other ones yeah i, I don't want to do down uh, sort of uh, a Prince Andrew visit or, um, or or Charles and Camilla, but um, but there is something special about the Queen. I mean, to be honest, everybody wants to see Kate Willie, and they're sort of the rock and roll of the royal family, aren't they? They're the, the, the people everyone's interested in, the slightly more glamorous side of it. But at the top of the tree, when you get the Queen, I think that that does make a huge difference. In fact, she came here to um, to visit De Montfort University. That was on her schedule. Um, and they they named a leisure centre after her. I think it's called the Queen. It's the worst named leisure centre ever. I mean, it's brilliantly named, but it's a bit of a mouthful. It's the Queen Elizabeth II Diamond Jubilee Leisure Centre, which uh, doesn't really trip off the tongue. I think people call it Betty's or something like that. I, <laughs> I, I, I could be wrong, um, but uh, or just the DMU Leisure Centre. Um, but so that's you know her, her lasting. Um, contribution to the city or one of our lasting contributions is uh, a place you can go and um, go for a swim lovely all right well yeah. if we're in leicester anytime then uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll check it we'll check out betty's I like you would be more than welcome and um well we hope you get another exciting exciting royal visit soon because clearly it does sound like it's something that the city really does sort of puts a spring in the step gets a spring in the step yeah from. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dan. Um, it's been great to hear uh, your stories. And I have to say, I do believe your story about the Queen. I don't think you could have made that up. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely promise I didn't. It's, um... but, uh, maybe it's a lesson to all of us to think about, OK, if we're, sudden, if we're somewhere and the Queen suddenly turns up on our shoulder and attempts to engage us in conversation, then what would we do? <laughs> Yeah, I think the lesson for me was pay attention all the time and don't uh, uh, don't let your your mind wander off, um, no matter how interesting the uh, the surroundings are. Can you remember what colour hat she had on? Uh, she, she was wearing a sort of um, oh, I'm useless with fashion um, and descriptions of it, uh, but I think it was green, uh, a sort of light green. It might have been turquoise. 
Excellent, excellent. I might dig out a picture. So Russell, who is my regular partner in crime on this show, he also, I mean, he's hes a very expert in pussy bows, but if you ask him about any other form of fashion, <laughs> he's struggling. So anyway, um, thank you, Dan. It's been lovely to talk to you and hear about uh, Leicester's recent and uh, longer ago royal adventures. And we'll catch up with you again sometime, I hope. Yeah, thank you for inviting me on. Appreciate it. So that's it for this week's show. I hope you enjoyed getting those different perspectives. Do let us know what you thought of this and anything else, uh, whether it's what we've been doing or whether it's what the Royals have been doing. We're on Twitter at Podsave and on Instagram as well. Thank you for all of the messages and mentions that you have been sending over to us. We do read them all. Uh, It's lovely to hear from you and get your thoughts on the show so never be afraid to send us a message and thank you to everybody who has been leaving us reviews on itunes recently it does make a difference and we do make sure we read all of those as well so who knows what will have happened the next time we meet but i will be catching up i hope with my good colleague and friend russell myers to bring you all of the latest on what has been happening but until next time pod save the queen (laughs) 